KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2022 Mushroom Festival Eating Competition! It's early September in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. The streets are packed. In a parking lot behind a huge crowd, two rows of people are lined up on a stage, the amateurs in front of the professionals, with trays of fried mushrooms stacked in front of them, ready to chow down. You guys want to help it count it down from five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. And right out of the gate, look at Molly Schuyler, Mom versus Food. She's almost done with one entire pound of bread and mushrooms. That is incredible. Around 60% of the country's mushrooms are grown in or around Kennett Square. So yeah, mushrooms are a really big deal here. In this town of about 6,000 people just an hour outside of Philadelphia, mushrooms have been quietly boosting Pennsylvania's economy, supporting the ecosystem, and they're a super important food. But how did Kennett Square get to be the mushroom capital of the world? This is The Johncast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and this week, we're going to learn more than you ever knew you could about mushrooms. At the Mushroom Festival, the streets are lined with local vendors, both mushroom-related and not. And of course, there's tons of mushroom-based food. You can get fried mushrooms, mushroom risotto. The mushroom cheesesteak is particularly delicious. There's live music and activities for kids throughout the day. But the biggest attraction to me is the grower's tent, where you can meet mushroom farmers and see how mushrooms grow. My name is Joe Cordovano. We have our own farm. It's called Cordovano Brothers. I've been growing mushrooms for about 38 years. What is at this table here? These are the raw materials that we put together to make the substrate. Learning how mushrooms grow is a bit of a vocabulary lesson. And I'm not a farmer, so bear with me. I'm going to try my best to get this right. It starts with making the substrate, which is the material that mushrooms grow in. It's not quite soil. It's made up of a lot of stuff. We compost these materials. We have straw, hay. We compost this for about 20 days outside. We move it every other day to keep it hydrated and aerated. After 20 days, it goes inside for another 14 days for a secondary composting process. After 14 days, it's pasteurized, cooled down, and then we give it to this lady who will inoculate it. That brings us to term number two, inoculation, which is what I would think of as planting the mushrooms. Maggie from Lambert Spawn Company is demonstrating that step. Oh, and there's another term, spawn, genetic material from a mushroom that can be used to grow more mushrooms. So what we're looking at here, these are cultures. So these are two different types of mushrooms. These ones are agaricus. So if you took a little piece of this tissue and you put it on this compost agar plate, it'll grow out like that. 
<laughs> so you can actually, you're saying you could be actually take like a piece of one mushroom and then turn Roll it into whole spawn for more mushrooms? Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Pretty sustainable, right? Yeah. That's awesome. I <laughs> yeah. love it. That is pretty cool. So companies like Lambert Spawn will take mushroom cultures, tiny pieces of mushroom tissue, grow them to make spawn, and inoculate the substrate with that spawn. Got it so far? Then the farmers pasteurize the substrate, top it with peat moss, and let it grow. Once everything is all processed, you could start harvesting in about three weeks. In total, it's a six to 10 week cycle in the farm's growing room, so they can harvest up to eight crops per year. The growers exhibit is just a small demonstration. So to get a better understanding of how this all works on a real mushroom farm, I spoke with Jerry Yetman, co-owner of CP Yetman and Sons and Mother Earth Mushrooms. Well, we are a fifth generation mushroom farm. I'm part of the fourth generation. My uh, great-grandfather bought the farm in 1919. We're an organic mushroom farm. We've been growing organically since 1989. So we were the first ones in the area to, to do so. I mentioned that farmers can harvest eight mushroom crops per year. That's because they grow year round. They don't need sunlight, so they're grown indoors where growers can carefully control the environment, regardless of the season. Yes, we grow them year-round. We harvest mushrooms every day, every day of the year, including weekends and holidays. They double in size in 24 hours, so they're ready today or tomorrow. You You can't wait. You have to pick them. What happens if you don't pick them at the right size or the right day? Then they'll, they'll change their shape. They'll keep growing and, and they'll get, get to a shape that's not uh, viable for the market. A lot of it is about aesthetics. You could eat a mushroom that's harvested a day late, but to get the nice looking fresh mushrooms you see in the grocery store, you have to pick them at just the right time before they bloom out too much. And then you have to get the temperature down quickly so they'll stop growing. Anything that doesn't look perfect, but it's still okay to eat goes to a cannery. In order to do all of this just the right way, you need a lot of highly trained staff. Uh, When we're fully staffed, we're about 200 people. There are a ton of jobs on a mushroom farm, but Jerry explained the big ones. Most of our employees are harvesters, you know, more than half. And they're the the folks who go in and specifically harvest the mushrooms, pick them from the beds and put them into the containers. Harvesting is done by hand because the mushrooms are so fragile. There's an art to it. You have to twist gently, don't just pull. And the harvests go on for a couple of weeks because you don't pick a whole patch at once. You have to be able to tell which individual mushrooms are ready today and which ones will be ready tomorrow and after that. Before the harvesters come in, the mushrooms remain under the watchful eyes of the growers. Yeah, the grower is a very important position. That is the person who is in the mushroom houses every day. And you, you're watching it visually, you're using your nose and smelling, and you're feeling the temperature and the humidity and moisture in the air, and making decisions on how to change the conditions to get the best quality product. Each grower is assigned a certain number of mushroom houses, and they oversee a team of other people. Then, after the mushrooms are harvested, there's packing and transportation. The mushrooms go from the farm onto a truck to the packing facility. And then they get weighed there and they get vacuum cooled and they overwrapped and and then they get on another truck and go to the customer. So now you know how to be a mushroom farmer. 
The next question is, why? Why mushrooms? And why here? For someone like Jerry, the farm has been in his family for generations. This is just what he does. But it all traces back to one man. Uh, I know a little bit about it. <laughs> I'm not, no expert in the history of it, but from what I heard, there's a, a gentleman, William Swain, who in the late 1800s had greenhouses in the Kennett area. The origins of Kennett Square's mushroom business are like local folklore. Everyone in the area has heard some version of the story, but they're not clear on the details. I got the same response from Richie Forte from New Garden Fresh Incorporated at the Mushroom Festival. Do you know why Kennett Square is the mushroom capital of the world? Someone could probably explain it way better than me, but from what I heard, it's just, you know, the resources available. Uh, I believe it started with the Swain family, that they were in the flower business. Eventually, I found someone who knows this story confidently. Rachel Roberts, the president of the American Mushroom Institute, or AMI. The mystery is so fun to explain. And in fact, we're up at the farm show every year. We have a big educational booth up there. And every year, that is the main, t- you know, how in the world did that happen? <laughs> um, so this area of Kennett was actually a floral capital of the world. There was a grower by the name of Swain who had been to Italy and who had seen how mushrooms grow and thought, you know, I could grow mushrooms under my flower beds and that way I could get more use out of these growing houses. So he indeed did that and it caught on. And so the houses literally just started mushrooming around Kennett. And, you know, in this area alone, we have upwards of 2000 mushroom houses. Pennsylvania is a pretty big agriculture state in general. William Swain first grew flowers. Jerry Yetman's family originally had a dairy farm. So mushrooms were a great way for farmers to maximize what they could produce in their space and throughout the year. A lot of farmers like that idea because then it's, it's a source of income in the wintertime when yeah. you're not harvesting any of your other crops. It's also very sustainable. Mushrooms reuse some of the waste and compost from other crops. The compost that we grow the mushrooms in is made from waste products from other farms. So it's horse manure and, and straw that comes from the stables and then hay that's poor quality that the horses don't like to eat. A lot of byproducts that we recycle would normally just go straight into runoff or right into land applications that end up in your watershed. We sort of play a middleman and we say, hey, no, you know, we're right here and we're going to take all those byproducts and we're going to make this amazing food. And the compost, once the mushrooms have grown in it, now is even more valuable to the ecosystem because it has some of that root system that we call mycelium. And most of our compost goes out to other farmers who spread it on their fields for their corn fields, hay fields, and it helps their crops. What a great recycling system, right? Not to mention, mushrooms make some good money. Nationwide, our impact is $3.1 billion, And in Pennsylvania, I think it's the converse. I think we're $1.3. In terms of you know state uh, taxes that go back to Pennsylvania, we're upwards of $20 million a year. And in Pennsylvania alone, we're around 12000 jobs a year. So mushrooms are a huge business. And for good reason. They're in high demand right now because people have started to realize they're a pretty incredible food. 
research on it uh, definitely is linked to preventing uh, breast cancers, prostate cancers, and then the research that's still evolving. So you have these really good clinical studies, but it hasn't been done for long enough by, uh, you know, enough people to say um, for sure it's definite. It has to do with like general disease prevention, cancer prevention. The properties of mushrooms that are really good for uh, cognitive function are ergothionine. Um, that is a property that you don't find in other foods. Are mushrooms a superfood? Is there like a clinical definition of what a superfood is? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, <laughs> but they are. They're considered a superfood because they have a naturally occurring vitamin D. Uh, they're great plant-based protein. Uh, they're low in calories, you know, no cholesterol, no gluten, none of those things. And then they have these um, properties that aren't found in, in other foods. Now we're all ready to rush out and stock up on mushrooms, right? But there's one problem. Farmers are having a hard time meeting the increasing demand. There's a lack of labor. Pretty much any business in the area seems to have a lack of labor. A lot of our labor force is immigrant labor and has been for many, many decades. Um, so that's nothing new. But it has gotten harder to have uh, migrants come in and do the, do the work. That interested me. The mushroom business relies heavily on immigrant workers, primarily from Mexico and Latin American countries. There's a whole other level to this now. Why are so many mushroom workers immigrants? How does that contribute to the culture and the community? And why is that workforce diminishing? Those questions are actually the plot of a play called Mushroom. We'll hear about that fictional story and the real-life roadblocks that are holding back foreign-born workers after this break. A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. You gotta understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavitt story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The stage is covered in sawdust. Lining the back are racks of mushrooms growing in soil, or sorry, substrate. There are projections on the side walls, text in both English and Spanish. This is the set of Mushroom, a play being performed at People's Light Theater in Malvern, Pennsylvania. It's written by Issa Davis. Zach Berkman, who is artistic director at People's Light, when he invited me and other playwrights down to Chester County to learn the stories of the communities down here, that was one of the things that he mentioned that Kennett Square, you know, grows the majority of the mushrooms we eat in this country. And I just was like, what? <laughs> I need to go to this place. Isa lives in Brooklyn, but she has spent a lot of time around Kennett Square working on this play. She started developing it in 2013. It's just been fascinating to learn about mushrooms themselves, but not only learn about the process of making mushrooms, but understand how we as humans and how our entire natural ecosystem is dependent upon the mycelia, right? The fungal networks that are underground. If you've stuck with us this far, you probably share Isa's fascination with mushrooms. 
But the play actually looks closer at the people in the mushroom industry, the ones working on the farms every day, picking mushrooms by hand, the ones who are keeping this whole business alive. So that's really what I've been doing is just coming down here on trip after trip on the Amtrak and just talking to people and and hearing about the joys and challenges and dreams and troubles, particularly really centering undocumented workers and what they have been going through and just that sense of uncertainty that's always there. And of course, just like these fungal networks underground, right? We are all interdependent. We're all dependent upon each other. And the policies that, you know, really are punitive towards undocumented workers don't take into account that if we didn't have all of those undocumented workers working on agricultural farms, no one in this country would eat. The play gets deep into the struggle of being an immigrant in America, particularly if you're undocumented. I highly recommend seeing the show if you've got the time, if you're listening to this before it closes on October 16th, 2022. We'll put a link for tickets in our show notes. One of the central themes in the show is documentation, how hard it is to get legal permission to live and work here. Jerry Yetman, the mushroom farmer, says that's one of the biggest challenges the industry and their workers face. It's difficult for them to get a, a visa to come in. It's not impossible. It's just very difficult. And I wish the system were better. That's the main cause of the labor shortage in the mushroom business. Not that mushroom farmers are intentionally only hiring immigrants. Rachel, the AMI president, points out that this isn't the kind of work that most people who are born and raised in America want to do. The number of uh, American-born applicants to a mushroom harvester job per day is zero. This is not a, a job that really fits the um, working culture of America anymore. You know, we're all working hard to be upwardly mobile. We do then offer that first tier of like, you know, here's where you can start in this country and now go into an upwardly mobile trajectory. Mushroom farming can be a great opportunity for someone who's new to the country. It's steady work in a temperature-controlled room. You learn on the job. Some immigrants have even advanced to running their own farms. And all those workers who have permanent jobs here have lives here. They're contributing to the community. We're an industry that's really proud of our record in terms of pushing for immigration reform that can help our workers you know, be uh, where they are and continue to send their kids to our schools. Uh, their kids do amazingly and move on and do great things and come back to the community and serve as lawyers and doctors here. And we just really want to keep that going. And that's really all about you know, immigration reform. So that's our number one priority is, is making that dream a reality. Rachel and her team at AMI spend a lot of time advocating for policies that could help mushroom workers. The mushroom industry is not entitled as an industry to employ H-2A workers. If you're an industry that is seasonal or your crop is seasonal, you're able to get workers up on H-2A visas. Problem is, mushrooms are a year-round crop, so they're not eligible for H-2A visas. But there's actually a bill on the table trying to change that now. 
under both the Trump administration and the Biden administration, the House passed what was called the Farm Worker Modernization Act. And that act would have given uh, mushrooms access to H-2A visas. It would have given dairy access to H-2A visas as well. And it would have allowed those who are already working on farms to then become legal. And that would be under a program called a Certified Agricultural Worker Program. It's basically a guest worker program, but then also has a path to residency. And we've been uh, begging, pleading, encouraging, cheering on um, Senate to create their own version of that and pass that. But it's just a very hard topic. And again, it's it's one that this industry has been um, pushing for over 30 years. Back at the Mushroom Festival, I'm getting an earful on the different varieties of mushrooms from Fred Ricuti, who works at Bashiani Mushrooms. Which ones are your favorite? The maitake. Oh, yeah? Maitake in Japanese literally means dancing mushroom. Wow. And the samurai would hoard these mushrooms and feast upon them before going into battle, believing that the maitake made them invincible. The pride for mushrooms is so strong here. It's such an adorable small-town vibe. I can't believe this festival has been happening every year, and I've been missing it living just 40 miles away. It's funny, this huge industry that brings in $3.1 billion nationwide and employs 12,000 people in our state is kind of hidden in some ways. Some people who live in other parts of the same county don't even know about it. Even Rachel, when she was growing up. I grew up in the northern part of this county, so I grew up in Phoenixville, and I had no idea, to be honest. Huh. It wasn't until um, I you know, had lived in Philadelphia for a little over 25 years and then moved here to southern Chester County that I realized it was the mushroom capital of the world. But for people who live in this very specific section of Chester County, mushrooms are a part of the local identity. I think you have to love mushrooms if you live there, even if you don't like eating them. Because whether or not you work in the mushroom industry, that business is feeding the community, both literally and figuratively, as Jerry Yetman explains. We all happen to be here, and so we can support each other. So it's not just the farmers, it's like the plumbers and the electricians and, the, and all the other contractors that, that we use, and then the, the truck drivers and the salespeople. And so there's a lot of other industry that around the mushroom industry that we all help each other. It just seems to work. So it makes sense that AMI and mushroom farmers and lots of other people in the region are going to push hard for whatever will help this industry continue to grow. Even home maintenance companies and banks, businesses that have nothing to do with mushrooms, were at this festival supporting the mushroom farmers. It's a full community effort. And sure, there are some definite bumps in the road. But the mushroom business in Kennett Square isn't going anywhere. People are getting more and more excited about our product. That feels so good to the industry that folks are excited about the product. And, you know, we want everybody, including those who are already part of our community, to benefit from that. Now, I know this episode might leave you a bit hungry. I can't stop thinking about that mushroom cheesesteak myself. So... To hold us all over until next year's Mushroom Festival, here's a little tip from Jerry. 
What's your favorite, like, unique mushroom recipe? My most recent one that I like right now, my favorite one, is a, a medley of mushrooms sauteed in a pan. And you can add whatever herbs and spices that you want to it, but usually light on that. And then I put in gorgonzola cheese, crumbled gorgonzola cheese into the pan, and, and it turns like a saucy mushroom, like a side dish. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a name for it. I just, that's my favorite one right now. The Johncast is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts, and it's made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickert, Brian Seltzer, Myron Kaplan, Holly Stevens, and me, Sabrina Boyd Circa. We also want to give a big welcome to our new Digital Field Production Fellow, Bibiana Correa. We're so excited to have you on board. Special thanks to Lori Harrison and Hannah Palermo for helping connect us with these mushroom experts. If you want to see some pictures of the mushroom farms, as well as the Mushroom Festival and Mushroom, the play? Check us out on Twitter, at The Johncast. We'll be back with a new story next week. Make sure you follow us on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll get every new episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Listening.